Pierre, you want to come out here? Welcome to episode one of the Opportunity Knocks podcast. My name is Mateo. I'll be your host today. And I have a very special guest to open up the podcast with me. Longtime friend of mine, Mr. Kevin Taddeo. He was the rookie of the year back in 2019. He shattered the Vantage rookie record at that time, took home a nice chunk of change as a rookie. Then he's continued to shatter records by being the two-time rep of the year. He sold over a 1,000 accounts in his tenure with over $1 million in revenue generated. And last year, he was voted the ugliest rep in Vantage Marketing Canada. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, welcome. Happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Kevin, so let's, jump, uh, let's just jump right into it here. So pre-Vantage, all right, you were working for PowerBev, right? Yeah. Red Bull. And I was, was working for like? Red Bull's distributor, mm-hmm. so I was uh, I was one of those guys driving around on the Red Bull van, um, you know, with the big uh, big can on top, mm-hmm. and my job was to uh, go to those convenience stores and then load them up with Red Bull. So safe to say, I did not have much sales experience prior to this. Fair salary job, salary job. What were the hours like? Well, oh, uh, I would start most days pretty early. Honestly, I was working more than forty hours. And that was part of the reason actually why I joined here is, you know, at the time I was, I was 17, 18 years old. I was making, I think it was 630 bucks a week or, or something like that. Um, you were doing the job here. You were, you were banging on doors um, and you'd call me and you'd be like, bro, I just made a grand today. I just, I'm sitting here and, you know, I just worked 10, 11, 12 hours and I made, you know, 100, 150 bucks a day, whatever it was. And I was like, screw this. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% going out and, you know, I want to get paid what I'm worth, right? Because yeah. I saw some of the other kids in the job I was working and. I knew I was doing a more effective job. Um, I felt I was working harder and providing more value, and I just wasn't getting compensated. So, you know, hearing you, uh, you know, tell me about this, I was, you know, I, I couldn't not try it. Yeah. Well, I felt you were the natural uh, born salesman. But were you ever tempted by these different career paths? Did you think, hey, I'm going to go to capital markets or something cool like that? Did you see yourself going down this path? Uh, well, I mean, we, so we obviously studied at Laurier together and, you know, being the business program there, there's companies like BDO, which are just like freaking hawks on the campus all the time and oh, they're yeah. recruiters. So, um, you know, some of those opportunities, whether it be in accounting, consulting, they're obviously pretty enticing, especially when you're 18, 19 and you don't really know what you want to do yet, but you're studying a business program. You think you're going to, mm-hmm. you know, go down one of those paths. Um, I specialize in finance. So, um, obviously some, you know, some good corporate opportunities there, but, um, you know, again, to me, just the the freedom that this path provided was um, was unmatched. Uh, you know, to, and after I worked here for a summer, um, I knew it really didn't make much sense for me to take one of those more corporate type structured opportunities. Yeah. I was never a you know a climb the ladder type deal. That wasn't going to be me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take the path less traveled. I like it. So, you finish your summer working at PowerBev as you know Red Bull distributor. You think, hey, I'll give this cool sales thing a job. Mm-hmm. You get out there day one. And what happens? Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> I, <laughs> man, I, uh, those, I, I had no idea what we were selling at the time. I, yeah. You know, you told me it was pest control, and I, we did one training day at, at Brendan's house there. And so I kind of knew we were doing ants, wasps, spiders, mice. Certainly not comfortable with my pitch. Um, definitely not a natural extrovert. Um, so it was something where I, you know, part of this was, you know, taking a job to get out of my comfort zone because I'm a believer that, you know, if you want to get better, um, you do have to, you know, be willing to get a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. And yeah, yeah I was certainly uncomfortable those first couple of days. I'll put it that way. Uh-huh. Uh, first three days, I probably talked to at least, at least 500 people. 
I wasn't even close to making a deal. Um, they were they were brutal nose. I was getting beat up there. It was, it was the start of May. It was kind of yeah. cold and rainy. Did you get some pity nose? They kind of let you off easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a couple people that were you know, they were a little bit rude. There was some nice <laughs> ones that you know they certainly appreciated. I was trying, but clearly knew that it was pretty green at this job. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's safe to say I sucked at the start. <laughs> All right. And was there a moment where it kind of clicked for you or did it just slowly get better until you finally made that first sale? Kind of how did that go? Well, the first sale was on the fourth day. Um, certainly was a lay down and, and that's what I needed. Um, I still remember him. He was actually an able customer. His contract was just expiring. Um, Oakville on Oak Ridge Court. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Brown. So hopefully if Rick's listening to the podcast, uh, shout out Rick Brown. Yeah, let that uh, be a message to everyone who says you can't switch over customers. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, but I still remember knocking on the door. I gave my pitch. It still was probably not that quality of a pitch, but, um, you know, he had ants. And I still remember him, uh, you know, looking back into the house and saying, honey, the guy's here to do the ants. They're going to waive the initial startup fee if we, uh, if we sign up now. Do you want to do it? So, okay. And he goes and grabs his Amex. So that was my first deal there. And I think that's what I needed was just that, that confidence that was like, oh, okay, I could do this. At that point, being three days into the summer, I was one of the only guys, if not the only guy on the team that didn't have a sale. So I was seeing other, you know, sales come into the chat and um, maybe a little bit frustrated to a certain extent where I'm, you know, wondering why it's taking me longer than others to, to figure it out. But mm-hmm. um, I, I got lucky on the fourth day. And I think that's the beauty of selling pest control is it's a service that's needed. We're going out at the start of May and we're selling ant control. And there's a good chunk of people that have issues with ants. Um, so if you knock hard enough and you work hard enough at the start, even though you suck, you're going to bump into people that desperately need the service yeah. like Rick Brown. Um, and I eventually took that confidence. Um, it was like a you know whole new level of, of carrying myself with a different aura, aura. And I went on to sell five that day. So so the you know from yeah. zero, zero, zero to five was uh, you know, pretty special. Well, breaking the ice in uh, in a crazy fashion. So did you continue the momentum on? Was it like you got five and then you had to start over the next day and work back up to it? Or was it kind of just shot out of a cannon from that point? Uh, I think I got one or two the next day. Um, first two, three weeks were a little bit tough. Still a lot of ups and downs, right? You know, there was maybe another four or five mixed in on, on the odd day. But a lot of the times it was, you know, ones, zeros and, and twos. Um, it took me till about, I would say, two and a half weeks, three weeks in to really get the hang of this. And that's when I strung together, you know, three, four days in a row of at least three plus deals. And at that point, you know, I put in so much effort up into that point, both from actually showing up and practicing the correlations, but um, also using the online internal resources to train on my own. I, I was big on, you know, recording my pitch in my room in the morning and listening to it back and, and practicing it. So um, I felt like I'd put in the effort and now I was reaping the rewards. And at that point, I you know, I thought to myself, like, there's no way I'm going to sell less than three every single day for the rest of the summer. And virtually until maybe the end of August, I, I didn't. I went on a roll. I took the momentum. I kept, you know, I put in so much effort. I went and applied those skills, and that's what ended up leading me doing well. Yeah, it's funny how often we see that where they the rep just proves it to themselves that it can be done, and then they get set off in this chain reaction of, yep. you know, I see the results. It makes me more hyped to do this. I get that addiction, and then I just start going through, and, and the sales start to add up. Exactly. Yeah, so, okay, so first summer happens. You end up with how many accounts, more or less? Uh, I serviced 237 deals in the first year. Um, it was at a little over 740 contract value, so it was – uh, give or take 175000 in revenue. Awesome. And so you're going back to school with some pretty heavy pockets. Yeah, yeah I was 19. I made a little over 60 grand, and it was uh, certainly money that I was not accustomed to. I was, um, again, part of the reason I took this is because I was a broke university student. I didn't yeah. have any money. Um, you know, I was able to, you know, make 10 grand a summer working a, you know, minimum wage or slightly more yeah. job, and um, that would cover my tuition. But, you know, I'd ask mom and dad for, for rent and food money and stuff. And um, although they were completely fine to do that, I, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I wanted 
wanted to be able to, you know, provide for myself a little bit more, yeah. right? I guess that's maybe a little bit of an ego thing, but yeah. I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to make more money and so I could, you know, buy some other things, right? And you end up going from minimum wage more or less to the annualized salary of like a neurosurgeon, right? <laughs> like, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> nuts, right? All right, cool. So, all right, so the first summer's in the books and at that point, what's your approach to sales like? Is it kind of the same thing now or you just keep going back to the fundamentals or did you have this early kind of, preconception of, of the salesman that you are now? That's a good question. Um, I think part, part of what you do in your first year knocking on doors is you kind of discover who you are and then also your personal selling style, right? And mm-hmm. this is why I recommend that every young person go knock on doors for a summer at least once in their life. And certainly, you know, my, my, my kid, when, whenever, you know, I have that and they grow up, they're going to knock on doors for at least one summer, right? Just because you learn so much about yourself and whether you go into sales down the road or, or not, it's just so incredibly valuable. Um, for me, my style was a little bit more direct. Um, I like to get to the point. I like to, you know, make, make quick deals. Um, I, I just thoroughly enjoy that. I will sit there and shoot the crap with some customers if I need to, if it's the talkative type of customer and that's what they require to feel comfortable in order to make the deal. But, um, that's what I discovered about myself as a, you know, my selling style. Uh, but then again, I've, you know, I've now knocked on doors for five years and I've sold to, um, all ages, all demographics, all backgrounds. Um, and that's been super valuable being able to learn, you know, different cultures value things a little bit differently. Respect is seen differently across cultures. So, um, you know, you learn to appreciate those and, and work them into your selling style and you'll pitch different people differently. And mm-hmm. um, that's part of the fun of this. It makes it a little bit of a game and you're trying to make quick reads right away. And once you gather a little bit of intel, you can apply what you know. And like I said, yeah. it's, it's almost like you're playing a little bit of mental chess. Yeah. You become more worldly by just going out there and interacting with all those different people. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so then in that next year, you get a chance to manage a team, mm-hmm. and so you bring in a bunch of your buddies, right? Yep. And so, what's that like? How does the first year managing go? Uh, honestly, it's, it's it actually went pretty well. Um, usually, you expect it to, uh, you know, you get hit by a truck as your first year as, as manager. Um, again, we were fortunate that you know we obviously managed the office, you know, alongside each other here, and the majority of our reps were, you know, people that we knew either from from high school, so we grew up with, um, or we went to university with. So um, we knew the majority of the team coming in. So I kind of knew what we were getting in terms of, um, you know, who the people like who they actually were and their, their attitude. And um, so I guess we had a bit of a, you know, an advantage on, on that front. Um, certainly tough. Uh, we actually hit the ground running. Well, I remember COVID, that was the year of COVID, and we did have to get a late start. So everyone was really amped up and we got some extra training in. But um, we, was it, I think one, everyone sold one at least on the first day. I believe. I think so. We yeah. had some pretty big numbers. We had yeah. some like sixes and sevens on the first day. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I remember Damon went out and fired six right off yeah. the can and we're like, the holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, this guy's going to you know, throw in 300 accounts. So that was unbelievable. Uh, definitely we struggled a little bit towards the end of the summer when some of the motivation wanes, but um, I believe our per rep average was at least 115 per per head that year, which was, yeah. you know, I was extremely impressed with and extremely happy with, right? So I, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, short summer too because of the COVID year, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, we went up to Vancouver at the end, and we certainly struggled. We were out in Vancouver at the end of August, early September there. But, um, yeah, for, to be able to do all that and have our team produce those numbers from May 25th to the end of the summer was – again, I was quite pleased with it. Yeah, it was awesome. Okay, so now what's your approach to managing? So you've got one year as a rookie under your belt. You've got another year coming back as an experienced rep and also running a team. The team does extremely well. Your personal numbers are great still. And so has anything changed or did you copy your first summer in terms of being a rep on the doors? And then how did managing come into effect and change that? 
Well, you, again, you'll you'll learn. You're going to screw up. Um, you know, both as a, as a as a sales rep when you start, as a manager, like you're going to make errors, and it's just about being conscious and humble enough to realize, oh, I screwed that up. Okay, let's now make that error again and learn from it. Right. So, you know, we ran a larger team the next year. I think we had roughly thirty or so when we started the summer. Um, we produced more. We did a little bit over a million dollars in revenue that year. I think it was 1.1 or 1.2. Yeah. Uh, but the per rep average was a little bit lower. Um, my style of, of management has always been, um, I don't want anyone to, you know, to outwork me. I want to set the pace, right? Yeah. Again, we're bringing in, uh, it's, it's a lot of young people that we hire here. It's primarily university and college students. And, um, you know, I feel like it's my job that if I want to provide them the experience that I had as a rookie, mm-hmm. and given that that did so much for me, I have to set the pace. I have to be the one out there, um, you know, putting up those numbers, um, showing up every day prepared. And, you know, if I'm able to do that, it, it, it gives, you know, these these young people as as much opportunity to, to grow as far as possible, right? Because they mm-hmm. see the bar and they know what's possible. And then, you know, obviously the ball's in their court at that point to, yeah. you know, to see how far they can take it. And did you do something different to set yourself up for that increased workload? Like were you packing lunches or something or – I'm always going to recommend a pack of lunch. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 easy to get on a you know a Wendy's Dave's double diet out there when you <laughs> <laughs> when you again it's you know you have to wake up a little bit earlier. Yeah. For me, I like to be in the gym each morning. So uh, the nice thing about this is I don't have to wake up terribly early. You know, I can get out of bed at eight eight thirty most yeah. days. Um, get to the gym, come back, uh, prep whatever material I you know I have in the in the correlation the sales mean that day, and then pack mm-hmm. a lunch the day. Yeah. Um, and again, that's both going to be. If you're packing your own lunch, you're just naturally going to eat a little bit healthier. Um, so you're going to have more energy throughout the day because, you know, what you put in is, is you know, that's obviously mm-hmm. going to fuel, fuel you the rest of the day. But it also allows you to manage your time a little bit better. Um, again, I found as a rookie where, you know, if I would go out and, you know, whether it be Subway or Wendy's or whatever with the, with the guys because we're knocking pretty close, you know, one of them would, would pick us up and we'd go there. Those 20-minute lunches quickly turned into an hour or an hour and a half of lost knocking time. A little nap was, in the car. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm just sitting there at Subway, you know, talking with the lads about the day so far, right? And Mm-hmm. For me now, it's now I got my giant Titan uh, lunchbox in the back. I load it up with three liters of water and usually three or four wraps and a few protein bars. And, you know, I'll just pick away at it throughout the day. Um, when I stop for lunch, it's usually five, ten minutes. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, quick wolf down a wrap and then I'm back on the door. So I've been fairly efficient with it. Yeah, for sure. So for those of you listening, Kevin mentioned a little inside joke there. My diet when I was a first year rep uh, was the Dave's Double Double Diet. So at Wendy's has the Dave's Double. It's like a double patty, you know, just honking yep. cheeseburger. And so I'd have one in the morning and then I'd have one when I got home. And uh, yeah, not great uh, fuel for you. Dave's double diet (laughs) led to a double chin by the end of the summer. This is true. Yeah, I got pretty husky. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so um, you got a couple of years selling under your belt now. So you're coming back and now you're in for the long haul. You've got this, you know, addiction to the job. You're making lots of money. You know, you're moving up through the organization. And so at this point, what is your core motivation? Is it just to stack um, you know, dollars in your bank account? Is it to grow as a leader? Is it to move up to the organization? What's your core motivation to get you out of bed and go out there? No, it's, it's, it's funny. And it's similar to kind of what I, what I just said earlier there with, you know, I, I believe that this is the best opportunity for young people, right? You're going to go out there, you're going to discover so much about yourself one summer, knocking on hundred plus doors a day. Right. And even if you suck, at least you learn how to communicate with people of all different backgrounds and ages. Right. And again, those are skills you're going to take with you for the rest of your life. Right. So, you know, for me, the true motivation is really just to provide the same opportunity that I had as as a rookie. Right. Um, I knew what it did for me personally. I saw those massive strides of growth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's a second, third, fourth year university student, if I can, you know, be a piece along the way in providing some of their growth long term, like that's a true, true motivator for me and something that I actually care about. Now, on the dollars front, 
I mean, obviously dollars have to, you know, they have to be there just in order for you to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because I took the job when I was, again, 19 and probably 80% of the reason was the money. You, you told me, you know, how much you made as a rookie. Um, I was a broke college student and I wanted more money. And that was as simple as it was to me. And mm-hmm. I was like, great, I'm going to do this. Right. But you stay for other reasons. Right. So, yeah. you know, in terms of the actual intrinsic motivation, it's, it's motivating these students and, you know, seeing, um, again, if I can be a piece along the way and, you know, they want to stick with us for a couple summers and then I write a nice reference for them to move up in the world. Like that's, you know, that to me, I, I, I love yeah. that. That's awesome. And so if you don't mind me asking, so let's pry into kind of what you did with that cash after the first year. I did something stupid. I bought a really expensive gaming computer. Um, Kevin was a little bit more smart than me. Uh, but where did that advice come from? You're just on YouTube, like, what do I do with my money? Or did you have like a rich dad, poor dad type thing going on? That's a good question. I mean, they teach us obviously in business school about how you open your different trading accounts and some of your intro to you know finance type type uh, lectures. So, you know, I opened a, a TFSA uh, RSP. Those were the two accounts at the time. Now, obviously, with the first time home buyers account, that's a you know that's a great, a great account that we put money towards, and I recommend every young person probably open that account first, honestly, now because that's the best one. Um, but yeah, I, I put. Um, I put a good amount of the money over the summer there. Now, again, of the 60000 uh, the government's going to take you know, 15 or 16 or whatever it was. And then, I, you know, I paid some tuition and, you know, some other bills. And the, the remainder of that went into my trading accounts. Um, I did put some money into, like, a clothing-type business. Didn't do well, so I lost a little bit of money there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I was able to, you know, stack some money away, build a nice nest egg for the future. Um, I was able to layer it into COVID happened, so I watched some stuff drop, and I was able to, you know, obviously buy some some good stocks at good prices. And mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, continue to contribute there because I see the value in it long term. What do you say to reps who want to do chains and cars? Is that a good idea or a bad one? Do what you want. I'm not here to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to recommend <laughs> that you st- stash at least some of your money away. Yeah. Um, again, there's nothing wrong with having fun and, and and spending money on you know possessions and whatnot. Personally, I'm not a huge material possession guy. Um, you, I mean, you know me, and obviously you've seen the car that I drive, the 05 Corolla that I've had the last oh, yeah. seven, eight years. You hear with, it coming from a mile away and not in a good yeah, way. Yeah, it's got a little over, probably over 400,000 on it now because the odometer maxed out at 299,999. So oh, yeah. I, Lord knows where I'm at now on that. But mm-hmm. uh, um, I prefer to spend money more on experiences. So like, a, you know, a trip or a football game or, or something like that. So if I'm going to have fun, that's where my money's going to go. But um, yeah, you know, a proper mix of, you know, stashing some away versus, you know, spending some on yourself, I think is appropriate. All right. And so we talked about the good part. Now let's go to the dark part of a summer or of a career and take us into the depths of the crisis of meaning. If you had one midsummer, maybe it was in your first summer, maybe it was in your second and talk about what it takes to push on through a sales slump or just a, a loss yep. of motivation and, and what you tap into. So I would say probably, um, probably my third summer. Because uh, I, yeah, because I did 237 as a rookie, it took a slight step back, did around 220-ish in my second summer. Um, and then the third summer was right around 200. Now, granted, it was a higher contract value then, but it was still, you know, I should have been progressing at a higher level and I should have been selling at a higher level. And I, mm-hmm. and I wasn't, right? So, um, you know, it was right around the end slash start of the fourth summer where I was like, hey, there's no way I, 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 I felt like I wasn't reaching my potential. Right. Because I knew I was good at this mm-hmm. and I felt like I, there was days where I wasn't disciplined enough and I wasn't, you know, controlling my inputs enough for, for the outputs to follow. Right. So um, at that point, I made a decision. And it's and it's it's funny because I was already all in on it. But, you know, there's sometimes a mental switch has to flip where you're like, no, I, I know I can be the best. What's stopping me? Yeah. Right. And that fourth summer, I shot out of a can. I was, was 
hot from the start, uh, ran it all the way, and then ended up, you know, winning that title, which I was happy about, and continued that for the previous summer as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was just a little bit of a mental switch where it was, you know, it's like, this is my true profession. This is what I'm great at. There is no reason for me to not go out there and work like a freaking dog every single day. Yeah, We're only out there on the doors for seven, eight hours a day. Why mm-hmm. not maximize it? I'm not going to leave a single day early, and I'm not going to, you know, not go through the sales cycle multiple times in these doors. There's no sense in being lazy. Mm-hmm. If I'm out here, I'm going to maximize my time as much as I can. Nice, nice. Okay, and do you think it's it's necessary to go through those slumps to get to where you are now? Like, would have been would it have been the same if you were on this constant slow trajectory versus the sharp ups and downs that come with the summer? No, no, and and that's the the life of sales. You're never going to be you you're never just going to be riding high all the time, right? This is what a sales job is, and especially a straight commission job, Mm -hmm. is the epitome of ups and downs. You're going to have slumps. You're going to have bagel days. It just happens. And it's how you bounce back from those that define you, right? Because, you know, you can sit there and feel sorry about yourself and feel like you're in crappy area and no one wants to buy and all this. (laughs) No, no. Ultimately, if you control your inputs, the outputs will follow. So you have to stay disciplined every single day. And again, it takes a while to truly understand that message. And you do have to get a little bit of experience under your belt for that to truly resonate. Again, some of this, you know, a lot of the people listening are going to be hearing it for the first time. And, you know, words are words until you actually experience it, right? And once Mm -hmm. you have that experience under your belt, um, you can truly reference it and know that if you go out there and you put in the effort, it is going to fall, right? So granted, the last couple of years, I I definitely was a little bit more consistent in my efforts, but that's probably because, you know, I, I figured it out. It took me a while to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, talk is cheap. Action is expensive, and Kevin is most certainly a man of action. So thank you so much for joining us today, Kevin. On just a final note here, what are your big goals for 2024 here? Are you going to be top dog this summer? What's your position going to look like? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not actually going to be. This will be the first year where I'm not out there full time with the troops, which is it's going to be tough for me. So, so first off, I'm uh, you know I'm looking forward to see uh, that title race and see who's going to come in and take the top dog spot. And you know, hopefully, Brendan's kind enough to let me present that award because you know that's something that um, you know it takes a lot of work to get towards. So we got yeah. you know out of our uh, head office here, Jack Borst, and I know he's shooting for that title, so we're yeah. rooting for him. Uh, maybe Noah Vag out mm-hmm. uh, west there. He's a uh, and he's contending, Mark out east, same with Quinn. Those guys are uh, they're dogs. They're they're tough to beat. Yeah. So that's going to be a fun race to watch. Um, in terms of the goals for for our teams here, um, I'm I'm truly excited and thrilled with the management that we have and the, the buy in and just the you know the sheer talent and intangibles that these people possess. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, Jack out of the head office and Juice will be running alongside him there. Uh, Max and Patty out of Waterloo. Um, obviously, Jack, Jack up through the Muskokas there. Uh, Harvard and Ethan out of Barry. Um, Chase, um, Paul, Andrew. Like, it's just there's so much talent spread across Ontario. And for me, it's I, I'm going to do my best to help out. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like there's going to be a point in the summer where these people are just running and I'm going to feel less needed. But yeah. uh, <laughs> as you know, as much support as I can give, um, I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm truly, truly excited for it. I'm still going to try and get out there on some of those competition days. Mm-hmm. Um, it is pretty tough to keep me off the door. So um, there'll certainly be a few uh, celebrity appearances, but uh, I'll do my best to take yeah. a little bit of a step back on that front. Very nice. All right. Well, we'll end on that. Thanks so much for coming out today, Kevin. And we'll see you guys on the next episode of the Opportunity Knocks podcast. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure.